This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp, reporting the governor is fighting gender identity teaching in schools. Students being told by uh, different folks in school, oh, you know, you know, don't worry, don't pick your gender yet. Democratic State Rep. Carlos Guillermo Smith wonders what will happen when a teacher asks third graders to write about their families and one student has two dads. Has the teacher uh, encouraged the student to have a conversation about sexual orientation or gender identity? Is that now prohibited? And the AARP sees a bill moving through the House as unnecessary and dangerous to nursing home residents. Frankly, we think it's taking the nursing out of nursing home. We dive deep into the AARP's objections to changing nursing home staffing requirements. But first, Governor Ron DeSantis held a roundtable discussion at the American Museum of the Cuban Diaspora in Miami to talk about the failed immigration policies of the Biden administration. His comments on that in a moment. At the end of the roundtable, the governor held a Q&A with the media and said this about legislation he backs, which would restrict teachers from espousing views about race and sexual orientation. We've seen instances of students being told by uh, different folks in school, oh, you know, you know, don't worry, don't pick your gender yet, do all this other stuff. They won't tell the parents about these discussions that are happening. That is entirely inappropriate. And we need, schools need to be teaching kids to read, to write. They need to teach them science, history. We need more civics, understanding the U.S. Constitution and what makes our country unique. All those basic stuff to get into situations where you're not having the parent, you're hiding things from the parent, you're injecting these concepts about choosing your gender, that is just inappropriate for, for our schools. And so I don't support that going on. I don't think it's going on in, in large numbers, but I'll tell you, since this debate has started, people have reported to me you know, that this has happened in areas that you would not expect it, you know, you know, to happen. And so uh, we want to make sure that our schools are really focusing on the basics. We don't want them to be engines to be putting things like the CRT that we've talked about, you know, things that are divisive and are not not accurate, of course, when you start talking about some of the stuff that they're teaching with it um, and making sure we're really focusing on the basics. At the weekly House Democratic Caucus press conference, Orlando State Rep. Carlos Guillermo Smith, who is gay, gave a nine-minute answer to a question about the vagueness of legislation like House Bill 1557, the Parental Rights in Education Bill, that would regulate discussions about gender and sexuality in classrooms from kindergarten to 12th grade. Here's part of his answer. If you put a classroom assignment out there to a group of third graders and you say, I want you to write an essay about your family, draw a picture, tell us what makes your family special, tell us what you like to do over the weekend, tell us about who you are. And the student decides that they're gonna write an essay about their family, their two dads, there's a lot of rainbows in the Uh, In the picture that they've drawn, they're talking about what makes their family special. Has the teacher uh, encouraged the student to 
have a conversation about sexual orientation or gender identity? Is that now prohibited? Is the teacher not allowed to solicit a response from the classroom about what they thought about the presentation? Because of course, it's a conversation about us. And the intention of the bill is to not allow conversations about us, which sends a dangerous message that conversations about the LGBTQ community are dangerous and should not be allowed, uh, which can have a very harmful effect on LGBTQ youth. And I also wanna mention the historical aspect here, because if we're gonna talk about discussion, you know, I represent a district in Central Florida in Orlando, in East Orlando. I don't have to remind folks on the call about what happened at Pulse nightclub in 2016, where 49 mostly LGBTQ people were murdered. Those individuals who were killed at Pulse nightclub, their descendants, their nieces, their nephews, their family members and loved ones are children in our schools. And these conversations often come up in our classrooms. As we said at the top, Governor DeSantis wanted to talk immigration in Miami. Legislators are currently considering a DeSantis proposal to prevent state and local governments from doing business with transportation companies that relocate to Florida immigrants who have unlawfully entered the country. At his roundtable, DeSantis said the Biden administration's immigration policies are historically bad. We're discussing today, uh, and really getting great perspective, on the uh, disastrous border policies of the Biden administration and then Florida's position that we don't want to be facilitating, which are very harmful policies, not only in terms of the rule of law, not only in terms of what drug cartels may be introducing into our country, but also the treatment of people who are basically being trafficked um, as part of what is effectively the largest human smuggling operation in American history, illegal illegal, uh, operation. And so, Um, You know, our perspective is that that those are bad policies. You know, if you look at um, just the absolute explosion of illegal uh, migrants across the southern border, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Just go back to 2020. It was a much different situation. And we in the state of Florida actually sent support last summer uh, to help Texas and to help interdict. The problem is, you know, You interdict and then you give them to the feds and then the feds will do things like fly people in the middle of the night at two in the morning and drop them off. Uh, They will provide, you know, bus, all this other stuff and then put into different communities. Um, There's no papers. No one one knows who the hell a lot of these people are. Last year, for the first time in more than 100 years, there were more Republicans on the active voter rolls in Florida than Democrats. Former Miami Mayor Manny Diaz and other Democrats called the press together to announce their plans to turn that tide. Diaz admitted that Florida Democrats dropped the ball on voter registration. As you know, over the course of the last 10 years, the party's efforts have been lacking in effort and in continuity. We have let our guard down, especially during off years, and the other side have eaten away at our margins. That's not going to happen anymore. We're changing the paradigm. We are renewing our fight for the heart and the soul of voters throughout our state of Florida. 
The Florida Democratic Party plans to spend $2.5 million to register voters in key markets leading up to the 2022 elections. Florida nursing home residents would be at risk if HB 1239 makes it through this legislative session. That's the word from AARP Florida. The bill gets a hearing today before the House Finance and Facilities Subcommittee. It would redefine direct nursing care and end the admissions moratorium. The AARP's Associate Director for Advocacy, Zane Smith, told Sunrise, those are bad ideas on a number of levels and really unnecessary. It's redefining what direct nursing care looks like in a nursing home. And frankly, we think it's taking the nursing out of nursing homes. Um, It's replacing what would typically be nursing care provided by CNAs, RNs, with other staff, while obviously trained in their areas, are not nursing staff. So we're talking about people like physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, respiratory therapists, activities staff, and social services staff. While all very necessary in a nursing home, they're not the people that are providing the activities of daily living care. So turning them in bed, getting them dressed, helping them go to the bathroom, helping them bathe. Uh, the nurses are, are going to become obsolete when you have all these other staff that qualify for that type of time with a patient. Is the thinking behind these changes that we're in a critical shortage of nurses, so they they need these people to take over some of these jobs. What do you think? The, what is the explanation for making these changes? Well, I think if you, if you listen to Florida Healthcare Association, which represents the for-profit nursing home industry, which is pushing this bill, they drafted it and uh, found a sponsor and got it placed into the legislative session. That is what they're claiming. You know, we have such a shortage of workforce that. We got to do something. And so this is their answer. And, you know, our rebuttal from AARP and others is that, well, this certainly is not going to help your staffing. Um, What you're going to do through this type of legislation is reduce the quality of care and directly endanger the residents that are currently in nursing homes. Let's talk about that. How will it reduce the level of care and create a more dangerous situation for the residents? Sure. Well, you know, right now in Florida, nursing level of care has to be spent on patients. It's all, and it's only an average of 2.6 hours a week, which is really not that much, but hey, it's something. It's nursing level of care, assisting the most frail people we have in Florida with just living. The bill as written would actually change that average from weekly to monthly, so that significantly reduces the time that nursing staff would spend with each resident. But then it also allows for non-nursing staff to perform their duties and qualify as nursing staff. So if we've got an activities staff director in a nursing home who actually counts toward the time a CNA or an RN should be spending with the resident, well, they're not getting the nursing care that they need. Um, You know, it's very troubling to see when you start replacing nurses with non-nursing staff Uh, what that says about the quality of care these residents are going to be receiving in these facilities. I'm going to just say it. It's just a way to cut costs. Well, you know, it may, it's, it's going to cut costs for the facilities, uh, likely enhance their profits because they can pay less. Uh, What you're also doing is seeing a 
lifting of the new admission moratorium in this legislation. And that's troubling. The new admissions moratorium is what? So right now, there's a self-imposed moratorium when there's not enough staff in a facility to take care of the residents they have. No new admissions can come into the facility. So no new residents can come in until they have enough staff that could help serve incoming residents. But under this, this this bill, as written both in the House and the Senate, that new admissions moratorium would be removed. So that means you're going to add potentially hundreds of new patients in nursing homes across Florida where they don't have enough staff to take care of who they've already have in the facility. And you're adding more people to that chaotic environment. And supposedly this you know, redefining of direct nursing care uh, would take up that slack. And you say that's risky. Well, it's definitely risky because once again, it, even if you lift these moratorium and have people coming in that need nursing level of care, they're not receiving nursing level of care from a social services staff member or from a respiratory therapy staff member. The nursing level of care, the people that are trained to provide nursing care become obsolete through this legislation. Now, may they, they might still be on staff, who knows, but there's no requirement that they are the ones actually treating the patients. The staff that are literally trained to take care of our most vulnerable adults, our most sick adults in nursing homes, there's no requirement that they're the ones actually helping these residents under this legislation. AARP's uh, position on this is that the, the, the legislation is completely unnecessary. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah. I mean, this is unnecessary when you consider that there's a whole host of alternatives that exist that don't do either one of these two things, redefine nursing care or lift a moratorium on new admissions. You know, obviously, last week we saw from both chambers that $100 million is being put forth in the budget to help bolster workforce issues. So this legislation really is nothing more than a way to rework how nursing homes allocate time spent by their staff. And the only thing I can assume is to honestly benefit their bottom line. We're nearly halfway through this session. I hadn't heard about this before. Did this come up on you as a surprise or did you see this coming? Well, so if you actually have to look back to 2020 during the legislative session, a very similar bill was filed back in 2020 and it was, driven by Florida Healthcare Association, at that time, ARP, SEIU 1099, and Leading Age Florida opposed the legislation. There was a bargain that was met. We created the Coalition for Silver Solutions, which was an agreement by the four stakeholders in this to let's get get in a room, let's figure out solutions that would work for all of us. Um, unfortunately, as quick as we made this agreement and had this, the Coalition for Silver Solutions, one member of the coalition went behind everybody's back, and now we're back to square one with Florida Healthcare driving their bill just in a different form once again in the 2022 legislative session. So is the money that's going for to bolster the, the workforce in the nursing care industry, is 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 that the solution, or are there, are there some other things that you say could be done? I think there's short-term solutions. And there's long-term solutions, none of which are in this bill, all of which have been suggested in the past two years by various stakeholders that have not been considered. To give you an example, a short-term solution for immediate relief in the staffing arena. Why not look toward limited licenses for retired healthcare professionals in Florida? 
we are the retiree capital of America. I can only imagine how many retired CNAs, LPNs, RNs live here in Florida that would be more than happy to roll up their sleeves if they could get their license reactivated as long as they left in good standing and help fill the gap right now in Florida. That would mean a fully trained, immediate workforce available to go to these facilities to help out. That's a short-term solution. That's something that Governor DeSantis could issue through emergency declaration. Um, Some other short-term solutions include establishing a medical loss ratio in nursing homes and that you require a specific percentage of taxpayer funding be spent on the workforce. Um, Those are two very possible short-term solutions to get the bleeding stopped, if you want to call it that. So this uh, shows up before a committee today. How how are you gauging uh, where it's at and where it's headed? You know, it's hard to tell. Obviously, it made a committee agenda because somebody wants to see it move. Um, it's it's disheartening to see that it is on an agenda when other stakeholders have had very valid ideas that have gone largely ignored. Hopefully, we can get in front of the committee, get in front of members, get in front of the sponsor, and plead our case. And hopefully, you know, some of these ideas we'll see incorporated in future drafts of the legislation as it moves, if it continues to move. Zane Smith of the Florida AARP. Listen, I really appreciate the time. All right. Thank you. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Senate Ethics and Elections Committee will hold a confirmation hearing for State Surgeon General Joseph Latipo. Latipo has become a controversial figure because of his views on handling the COVID-19 pandemic, rejecting mask and vaccination requirements. Last month, Democrats walked out of Latipo's confirmation hearing before the Senate Health Policy Committee because they said he wasn't answering their questions. The majority of Republicans on that committee voted for his confirmation. If backed by the Ethics and Elections Committee, Latipo's nomination would go to the full Senate for a confirmation vote. The Senate Criminal Justice Committee will hold a confirmation hearing for Department of Corrections Secretary Ricky Dixon today. The House Education and Employment Committee will take up a bill that addresses issues like how race-related topics should be taught in public schools. The bill came after Governor Ron DeSantis and state education officials sought to bar the teaching of critical race theory. The House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Subcommittee will consider a bill that would prevent picketing or protesting at residences with the intent to harass or disturb a person. The House State Administration and Technology Appropriations Subcommittee will take up a bill that would make changes for public employee unions, including preventing workers from having their union dues deducted from their paychecks. The House Tourism, Infrastructure, and Energy Subcommittee will consider a proposal that would create a Northeast Florida Spaceport Authority to lead efforts to expand the aerospace industry in Duval, Clay, and Nassau counties. The Senate Children's, Families, and Elder Affairs Committee will take up a bill that would expand the ability of grandparents, in certain circumstances, to petition for visitation rights to see their grandchildren. The House Environment, Agriculture, and Flooding Subcommittee will take up a bill that would direct the Department of Environmental Protection to procure the best available innovative technology to help address water quality issues like algae blooms, toxins, and nutrients. 
The House Higher Education Appropriations Subcommittee will take up a proposal allowing high school students to meet part of Bright Future's scholarship requirements through paid work instead of volunteer service. The House Justice Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a bill that would make a series of changes to bolster laws about sexually explicit material amid rapidly developing technology. The Senate Military and Veterans Affairs, Space and Domestic Security Committee will take up a bill that would make a series of changes involving cybersecurity, among other things. It would prevent local governments hit with ransomware incidents or cybersecurity extortion from paying ransom without first contacting the Florida Digital Service and local law enforcement. The Senate Regulated Industries Committee will consider a proposal that would prohibit hourly rates at hotels and other lodging establishments to try to reduce human trafficking. The House Government Operations Subcommittee will consider a proposal that would expand a public records exemption for traffic crash reports. The House Pre-K-12 through Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a bill that would take a series of steps to bolster charter schools. The House Regulatory Reform Subcommittee will consider a proposal that would allow public housing authorities to impose restrictions on owners of dangerous dogs. The Senate Community Affairs Committee will consider a proposal that would require revamping a 2008 rule on what's known as net metering, which governs charges and credits between electric utilities and customers who have rooftop systems. The bill would direct the State Public Service Commission to revamp that rule. The Senate Transportation Committee will hold a discussion about the future of the state's specialty license plate program. The House Judiciary Committee will consider a proposal that would revamp the state's alimony laws. Among other things, it would do away with what's known as permanent alimony. The House State Affairs Committee will take up a bill that would make changes in a law aimed at encouraging agritourism. Also, Florida Department of Elder Affairs Secretary Michelle Branham is expected to take part in a ceremony to bathe the old capital in purple light for Alzheimer's disease awareness. The ceremony will be hosted by the Alzheimer's Association of Florida. Congresswoman Maria Elvira Salazar will hold a press call ahead of the introduction of her Dignity Act, a top-to-bottom immigration reform bill. The Florida Supreme Court will hear arguments in three cases, including a dispute about the amount of past medical expenses that should have been awarded to a woman who was injured when she tripped and fell in a Lee County community. The Florida Elections Commission will meet today, and the Florida Building Commission is scheduled to meet, too. And finally, yeah, we know there are still arguments going on about the legitimacy of the last presidential election, and we're not just talking among politicians in the chattering class. Florida Politics is reporting that a St. Petersburg man who bet a friend a hundred bucks that then-President Donald Trump would defeat now-President Joe Biden almost went to jail for refusing to admit the election is over and paying up. Sean Hines made the bet with his now, we assume, former friend, Jeffrey Costa. Costa sued when he didn't pay up, and in mediation, Hines agreed to pay. And then he didn't, and faced jail time under the agreement. Hines appealed to a judge saying the bet was illegal and, for good measure, immoral. The judge said the agreement had no effect under Florida law and tossed the whole thing out. We're just going to assume that since Hines initially agreed to pay off the bet, he indeed thinks Donald Trump lost. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.